Frustrated with toxic people, they can't see how much they hurt me. I just want this chaos to cease. Here's your host, Dr. Shayla, my source for how to live a life of peace. Find peace in the midst of toxic negativity. Welcome to the Toxic People Detox, a practical guide for finding peace in the midst of toxic people. It's not about changing them, but changing how you respond to them and doing so in a productive, healthy way. This is episode 14, how to stop caring about what people think. Now, before I get into today's topic, I want to emphasize that caring what people think is actually a symptom of another problem. And that problem is a lack of self-esteem or self-confidence. I believe there's a direct correlation between our confidence and our anxiety of what others think. That confidence in turn is related to our understanding of ourselves. And I will talk about that in the next episode, which is how to find yourselves in self-discovery. When it comes to caring about what people think, we all do care to an extent. When I'm driving down the road, I drive the speed limit because I really do care about what cops think about me. And then when I go to work, I have a boss, I have coworkers, and to an extent, I do care about what they think. At some point, you're going to care. But in this case, I'm talking about caring to the point where it handicaps you. So here's an example. Now, I'm a Southern gal. You might not be able to tell because I don't have an accent. Now, many people in my hometown ask me where I'm from. They say, you don't sound like you're from here. And then they're shocked to hear that I grew up probably about five miles from where they live. I don't have an accent. Actually, no one in my family does. I had a borderline British accent when I was a kid. I have no idea where I picked that up from, but it went away as I got older. Now, back in the day, I was the nerdy kid and in some respects, still a nerdy adult. Socially awkward, still am. But yet, unlike the other nerdy kids in my class, the other kids didn't pick on me. Now, compared to what the other nerdy kids went through, I got off scot-free. And I never could figure out why until I was in middle school. And that's when I was in the band. I picked up the flute. But there were way too many flute players, and I didn't want to become just another of the many flute players. So I switched to the bassoon. One year, I played a solo. And when I was done, the other kids applauded and cheered. Oh, that was awesome. And afterwards, I told my band teacher that I didn't understand why they did that. I said, they don't like me. Why would they clap for me? And what she said changed my life. She said, yeah, that might be true. They might not like you, but they do respect you. And a lot of that has to do with the way you talk. And I said, oh, really? Okay, I like that. I owned the way I talked. And I was very confident in the way I talked. So I I grew up, you know, I was a very introverted kid and it was kind of lonely growing up. I found it to be a trade-off because I didn't really care what other people thought. For many years and even going into my young adulthood, I didn't give much credence to what other people thought of me, at least not until December the 9th, 2004, when my mother passed away. Now that was a blow to me because... My mother and I were very close. I didn't just lose my mother. I lost a friend and a confidant and my self-esteem took a hit. And guess what happened? I started worrying about what other people thought about me. And with my guard down, I was a target for a lot of shenanigans. Before my mother's death, I had the Midas touch. Everything I touched turned to gold. But after she died, everything I touched turned to, well, you know, my mother had my back, but I didn't have that in my life anymore. So I actually started to care what other people thought a little too much. And looking back, I realized it was a defense mechanism to process my grief. This is when I started gaining lots of
of weight. And by the way, I was dealing with toxic people. I, I told my story back in episode number one. This is when my blood pressure started spiking. It got up to 200 over 100, which is stroke territory. My blood sugar got up to 455, which is diabetic coma territory. In fact, when I went to the doctor and they took my blood sugar, they said, uh, we need to get you to the hospital right now. We need to call an ambulance. I said, no, no, I, I can get there myself. And they said, okay, make sure you go here because your blood sugar is way too high. And this is when the weight started creeping in. I used money to try to kill the pain. And a lot of that was because I was so concerned what everyone else thought. I have to give people the impression that I got it going on and that I'm strong and then this, that, and the other thing. Not realizing that was one of the causes to my declining health. And before I knew it, I had to file a chapter 13 bankruptcy. And if there's anything I regret about that situation, it's probably I didn't do it sooner. The minute I knew I was in financial trouble, I should have done something. But I was so concerned about what other people thought of me that, wow, they're going to think I'm a failure, that I can't manage money. My credit score at its highest was 806 before all this went down. But right before I had to file bankruptcy, my credit score went all the way down to 435. If anyone's familiar with the bankruptcy, a chapter 13, you will spend the next three to five years of your life paying down a debt either a portion of it or 100% of it. My case was 100%. Five years in a bankruptcy, paying off 100% of my debt. And as I'm sitting with the, what we call the meeting of the creditors, that's what happens before your case is confirmed. I'm sitting here thinking, wow, all those people I was worried about, where are they now? <laughs> they are nowhere to be found. And so here's why I learned to stop worrying. When I was sitting in there in that meeting with the creditors, of course, generally speaking, your creditors tend not to show up. But I'm thinking, I'm sitting here, where are all those people? And that's when I really began the process of regaining my confidence, realizing that most of my confidence was tied to my mother. Now I had to find a new venue and that is within myself. The second thing that, that really helped to break me out of that mold of caring what people thought was actually my dog. I was over at a neighbor's house and my dog started barking and barking and and I told my neighbor I needed to go across the street and see about her. <laughs> my neighbor said, don't worry about that dog, Shayla, she'll be okay. And I thought about it, I said, yeah, of course. Well, <laughs> and says, says, it's not like she's running up and down the road. She's fine. And so eventually the dogs got quiet. And sometimes I said, well, what was I worried about? And translate that over to human relationships. There are a lot of things that I took upon myself and then realizing that, wait a minute, what am I getting concerned over? Everything's fine. There are a whole list of things you can do to train yourself to stop worrying about what other people think, but I'm just going to condense them down to four things that have helped me. Number one, ask yourself, if anything were to happen to you today, those people that you're worried about, would they be there for you? When you really got right down to it, who was with me in my hour of need? It was the ones that are always close to me. But all these other people, these people that I probably met down the street, the cashier, co-workers that I don't see outside of work, what was I so concerned about? Number two, watch out for people who put a burden on you that they wouldn't take upon themselves. One of my relatives came up to me and said, you know, I would have thought you would have bought your mother a headstone by now. Oh my gosh. Previously, I would have said, you're right. I need to go buy her a headstone. What am I thinking? And see, that's when I would let people dictate my life. But then I started to take charge and I said, you know what? If it means that much to you, why don't you buy? I don't let people put a burden on me that they themselves would never carry. Number three, write down your fears. I actually had an exercise where I told my students to do this. I said, think about the thing that you fear doing the most. And I don't mean parachuting or anything like that. I'm talking about either changing careers or even changing their majors because I knew a lot of them don't want to be biology majors. They're there because somebody wants them to be there, not because they actually want to be. What if you changed your major? What if you went on an entirely different career path? Write that down. 
And a lot of them had a hard time doing it. Even I try this exercise myself and it is difficult because you, you come face to face with your fears, but when you put it down on paper, it becomes real. You know, our minds play tricks on us. And I say, have you ever heard the expression or have you ever said, wow, that sounded a lot better in my head? Yeah, because we idealize things, but when we put it to paper, it becomes real and then we can deal with it. And then number four, this is probably the most important thing that I learned. And that is give people permission to think whatever it is they think. And I say, you have my permission to think that I'm the biggest, dumbest, ugliest, fattest, this, that, and the other thing on the face of the earth. It's fine if you think that. You know what? And if it's not true, well, it's not true. And if it is true, well, I I might need to do something about that. Now, don't I? Okay. Worrying about what other people think can lead you to live in fear and keep you from fulfilling your dreams or even a great relationship. And so what amazing opportunities have passed you by because you were so afraid of what other people think. And this is my final example. And I'll close this out. I gave a seminar some years ago to the school. I held up a $50 bill and I said, who wants this? And of course, people raise their hands. I keep saying it. Who wants this? Who wants this? Who wants this? And I knew someone would get it. And then as I said it, I was looking on the crowd and I saw that they were kind of getting what I wanted them to do. I wanted them to come up and take it from me because I'd already made up my mind that the first person to approach me would get the $50. And so I saw some people kind of get up, look around, and they sat back down. And then one person finally decided to get up and walk toward me. And then there was a guy that was sitting in, and this is like a conference room type of classroom. And so, you know, you have uh, this long row of tables and then you have the chairs behind him. And when he saw her walking up to the front, he jumped over the table. And of course he got to me first, even though she started, whoever got to me first got the $50. So I gave him the $50. First, I talked to the person who got up and sat back down. I said, why did you do that? She said, I, I don't know. I was, I was embarrassed. I thought if I go up there that you might take the money back. <laughs> and I said, I think you were afraid of what everybody else thought of you, right? And she said, yeah, I, I was afraid. And I said, are you afraid now? She said, no. And I said, do you care? She said, no, I certainly don't. I said, do you regret that? She says, yes, I do. And that's, and even the person who came up to me, she said, I should have done it sooner. And I said, sometimes life passes you by. Okay. Somebody might get the opportunity before you do simply because you were afraid to take action. And now that the reward has been given out, you realize your fear was unfounded. So let me say again, what amazing opportunities have passed you by because you were too afraid of what other people think. I can rattle off a list of things, list of opportunities that I missed out on because I was just afraid. And that dark period of my life from my mother's death to maybe about a few years ago, I'm saying, how much money have I lost? Filing bankruptcy. I'm in the final year of my bankruptcy and I've been making triple payments, quadruple payments. Now, for those of you who are wondering, no, generally speaking, you can't pay off your bankruptcy early unless your debt is 100% owed. Mine is, so that's why I can do that. And I'm just looking at all this money that I'm paying that sometimes it goes anywhere from $415 to $2,000 a month. And I said, this money could go to a new car. It can go to something else. It can go to a trip to Costa Rica or something like that. But instead, it's going down a black hole because I made some dumb decisions because I care too much what other people think. So here's my final word on this. Leave people to think whatever it is they want to think. That's probably the most powerful thing you can do. when you let go of the need to control what people think about you that frees you to take off the mask and take advantage of the opportunities in your life. So in the next podcast, I'm going to talk about building a foundation by getting to know yourself, finding yourself.
There's that phrase, I have to go find myself. Well, we're going to talk about that in the next podcast. Until then, I wish you peace in the midst of toxic people. Take care. Go to the toxic people detox. Dot com. Find peace in the midst of toxic negativity.